We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. Another live episode of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. You deserve a checking account that always goes for two, as in 2% cash back. Earn more on everyday purchases with a cash back checking accounts at Emprise Bank. Visit EmpriseBank.com, member FDIC. So appreciative of them and all they have done for KC Sports Network. Thank you so much to them. And thank you to my dear pals for joining me today to talk a lot of things Chiefs. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane, hello. What is good? Kent, I'm, I'm not sure I appreciate that opening read. Like The two-point conversion one this week, is a, it's, that's a rough one. That's a, yeah, that's a slap Ugh. across the old face. And listen, last week we did Chiefs to this. It's not fun coming off a loss <laughs> as a fan of a team. It's never fun. But there's a little bit of just like interest in a Chiefs to this because you get to talk about problems that you can't always talk about because the team finally like showed them. So it's fine. One Chiefs to this for an entire year is fine. Two of them back to back. What is this nonsense? This hasn't happened since I was like six years old. It seems like this is no longer fun. This is upsetting. Craig, why are you in disbelief right now? Uh, because I'm pretty sure it happened like two years ago. And I did. <laughs> I'm a youth. I, what can I say? I, I think you're just forgetting things. No, this stinks. Although, like you know, like we always say, we we like to talk about the potentially fatal flaws of this Chiefs team and where that might catch up with them in the future. When they lose, 
it gives us a good time to talk about him because when they win, it's very easy to sweep things under the rug and say, oh, listen, Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the world, which he is, and the offense is humming, which it is still, but you still have fatal flaws. People, uh, people listen to it a little bit more when the team is struggling a little bit more. But before we get into those fatal flaws, Kent, the Chiefs made a move today. Yes, they did. They signed former All-Pro wide receiver Josh Gordon to their practice squad, expected you know, that he'll potentially be elevated uh, after getting a little bit more acclimated back into the game. It's been a while since he has played football. But, Maddie, they're getting a guy with an immense ceiling uh, who I'm, I'll just say this. Before we get started on any of this, Josh Gordon has been good every single year he has played football. Every single year. Like, let's just get this out of the way. This is an exceptional football player who has had success everywhere he has went. Had some spurts last year, uh, or the last time he played. I believe he missed part of the season, but he played 11 games, had a very effective year. I don't think he has averaged less than, I believe, 15.8 yards per catch in his entire career. That's oh, pretty that, good, Matty. 20, 2014, he had 12.6, but oh, everything so else. Sorry. Everything oh, I else apologize. My bad. <laughs> well, he he played like five games that year, so we're gonna give him a pass. He was clearly on you know the upward trajectory. It was coming up. Uh, Josh Gordon, uh, I think everybody knows this. He's one of the most talented receivers that had ever been in the NFL. I'm not gonna say he's the most talented, but he's one of them. A lot of people still say that, that what was it that 2013 season is one of the single best seasons they've ever seen from any wide receiver in the history of the NFL. And especially when you consider what else was around him on that Cleveland Browns team, like everybody always falls back on that. And now I, I think we have to start at the very top. It's been a long time since 2013 has happened. Mm-hmm. A lot of things have happened since then. So I don't think that you're going to get 1600 yards, nine touchdowns, Josh Gordon walking in the building, but even just these past couple seasons that he was able to play, he played for two different teams, both in 2018 and 2019, but he was productive everywhere he went, especially in 2018 with the New England Patriots. He seemed like for a while, he was the only thing that team had going through the air, was just chucking up balls to Josh Gordon down the field and him making a play. So if you can just even get 75% of that for the Chiefs and what they need right now, that might be just a huge bargain. I think Craig's got some uh, athletic testing numbers ready to throw at you guys just talking about how much of a freak Josh Gordon is. I mean, he's huge. First of all, I mean, the man is 6'3", 225. We talk about how big DK Metcalf is. Josh Gordon is that level. He's that size of a player. He's just this monster of a player. Now, his athletic testing coming out of college, if you look at like his relative athletic score, a lot of it was around like the 70th or 75th percentile for wide receivers. That includes every wide receiver, big, small, doesn't matter what it is. So the fact that this man, is able to be in basically the top quarter of all wide receivers in his athletic testing, despite being this monster human being, could show you why teams take a chance on him. I mean, he's been suspended constantly. And yes, a lot of it has been for weed. And they're not really checking for that anymore. So that that does make a difference as far as his availability. But this last suspension was also for performance-enhancing drugs. It wasn't just weed that he got suspended for last time, one that he's just now coming off of. So it remains to be seen, the kind of athlete that he is. But if he is that athlete that he was before, all of a sudden you've got a guy with a big body, a big catch radius, sure hands, 
guy that can get open against man-to-man coverage because he is explosive coming out of breaks and a guy that can still stretch the field a little bit. Obviously not to the level of a Tyree Kill or a McCole Hardman, but a guy that can still make you honor him over the top. So that's an element that everybody and every team in the NFL should want on their team. The Chiefs got him. It sounds like there was a little bit of interest. Chiefs were able to land him because, and here's the report, He sees a future here long-term. I think that that is very important to note about this signing. This doesn't appear, at least in the Chiefs' eyes and in Josh Gordon's eyes, to be an eight-week or ten-week rental here. I have a lot of thoughts here, boys. Okay, let's go. Maybe we should just sit down. I've I've been thinking about this a lot in in, in the scope of this football team. First off, uh, the threshold to contribute to this football team for Josh Gordon is not particularly high. I think he is a guy that can very easily make a positive contribution on the outlook of this roster, on the outlook of this receiving core. The thing that I like about Josh Gordon is he is a guy that can win outside the numbers on a vertical plane. The Chiefs love to, they like to throw down the field outside the numbers, but a lot of it's on that horizontal route by like a Tyree Kill and a McCole Hardman. They're trying to work over across the field and get into that quadrant, into that area of the field like that. Josh Gordon can just beat beat a, a corner off the line of scrimmage and work down the sideline and win at the catch point and create separation. This is a guy that Patrick Mahomes, based on the, on-field track record of Josh Gordon can trust. They don't have that guy. And, you know, McCole Hardman, Tyreek Hill, they are obviously exceptional vertical threats, but they're starting in the middle of the field. They're working the middle of the field, or they're trying to work across the middle of the field or across the middle of the field over to one of those quadrants. I think you even saw Tyreek or Travis Kelsey trying to get a little bit of work outside the numbers there. So this is a reliable guy when he's playing that can go out and win at in, in that contested area of the field. And I think that could ultimately be be massive for this football team a guy that can do that because that's another guy down the field that wins differently down the field because here i mean and either the thing is mccall hardman had a negative four average depth of target yesterday because all of his catches were tap tap passes he's not winning vertically down the field they're not really able to get those same vertical matchups it doesn't seem like they've been able to get the same kind of vertical looks that they have the last few years with these sh- these smaller slot players running vertically in the middle of the field trying to stretch that way they're not getting as many as those it doesn't feel so now you're adding another guy that can go out and get that in the mix he is Josh Gordon is more of that type of guy so i like that about what Josh Gordon brings to the table I don't think that any, I don't think, and this kind of gets into the game a little bit. None of the secondary weapons are scaring anybody. And none of the se- secondary weapons are consistent enough to contribute in any capacity. So the, 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 the level of the bar to clear for Josh Gordon is not high. I think even if he's 85% of what he's been in the past, he's an upgrade over some of these guys. And if you get anything out of them, especially with the kinds of skill sets he has that are tailor-made for what this football team is looking for in an X receiver. Big, physical, beats press, can win contested catch situations, can catch a fall physically over the middle of the field, has shown vertical speed and vertical ability. I mean, that is a laundry list of things that this football team could really use. The only thing is, your best ability is your availability. And that's the only thing that really gives me, not, I don't want to say gives me pause, I'm rooting so hard for Josh Gordon. I think his story of redemption would be wonderful. And it would be really cool if it ended in a Super Bowl here in Kansas City. 
but everything on paper makes way too much sense. I'm glad that she's pulled the trigger because, frankly, I'm surprised they actually did it, Maddie. Well, I just wanted to go back and kind of talk about when we're talking about where Josh Gordon's going to play. And right now, Demarcus Robinson's essentially the only wide receiver the Chiefs are really using on the outside. Tyreek Hill plays a little bit there, but Demarcus Robinson's the only receiver that has over half of his snaps played on the outside. Josh Gordon throughout his career, I tweeted this out earlier today, but has nearly 90% of his snaps have been played out wide. He's an outside wide receiver. He is a traditional X wide receiver in terms of his usage. Yeah, he has the ability to work and win vertically down the field. That's can't talk about he's done. But what else he's done? Win over the middle of the field. Even his past year playing in 2019, he only played, I believe it was 10 games for two different teams. So it was up and down, but he had 22 targets over the middle of the field between those two teams, caught 15 of them. He's very productive working over the middle of the field. Name the last time you saw a receiver for the Chiefs catch a pass over the middle of the field that wasn't a slant. It's going to be Travis Kelsey, and that's about it, just because they don't have anybody that works in that area without Sammy Watkins. So I think Josh Gordon does provide like the perfect complement to everything else they have. And I think I said this when they signed him. They don't need the Josh Gordon that even goes for 800 yards like he did in 2018. Like That's not the player they have to have. They need a guy that can show up and on any given day beat a cornerback to one-on-one in man coverage. That's all you have to do. The Chargers came out and played. We're going to get more to this later, but played man coverage a lot versus the Chiefs. Guess who won? Travis Kelsey and nobody else. They just need somebody else to threaten to win. They need Josh Gordon to go out there and threaten an undersized corner like Asante Samuels to beat him at the catch point, much like we saw Mike Williams do Mm. to Mike Hughes all day long. Just that Mm. option has to be there. The Chiefs don't have anyone to beat man coverage outside of Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. And when Tyree Kill's hurt or Travis Kelsey's taken out of the game, they become very one-dimensional. So Josh Gordon is the perfect complement, or a player of that style is a perfect complement to what they have going on. I think this move makes a ton of sense. And like Kent said, I'm incredibly happy they went out and pulled the trigger and they pulled it early on. I'm happy they didn't wait until week six or seven to say, hey, we're struggling to beat man coverage like every single season. We do this dance every single year, halfway through the year. They don't beat man coverage consistently and then you can't really fix it. I'm glad they're trying to fix it now at the very least. Yeah. And Grayson Jasper here puts up, what does Gordon mean for Darius Fountain? I mean, I think... I think we all know what that what that means for Darius Fountain. Unfortunately, here I Ken? think great. I think Darius Fountain Darius Fountain's time is not over specifically no. yet in Kansas City. But what's going to happen is Josh Gordon's going to be on the practice squad for a few weeks. They're going to be able to activate him from the practice squad a couple weeks. Then, when it comes time for them to have to activate him onto the fifty three to make it work, that's when Josh Gordon's going to get added to the fifty three, and it's probably going to be Darius Fountain. That would be my yeah. guess. Um, now, I- does the flash landing possibly mean Forts in the practice squad? No, I don't think so. No. It seems like there's a better plan towards Forts and taking the field than there is for Darius Fountain at this yeah. stage. I do want to say this because we've we've been effusive in the praise of Josh Gordon. We've talked about his lack of availability. We're not saying that Josh Gordon is going to walk in and be this guy that's going to be a monster or anything Speak like that. Speak for yourself. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm not saying... That this is going to happen. I think I, I think if you get what 90% healthy Sammy Watkins, and I can't believe that it took this long to get to the point where we even mentioned Sammy's name, especially when referring to X receivers here, you get 90% healthy Sammy Watkins and what he could do, winning on third downs, getting open when teams send a blitz and you need to get open quickly at the sticks. That's what he can do. Even if it's just a couple catches a game that go for, you know, 
20 to 40 yards, guess what? That is massive with the types of defenses that are going up against the Chiefs right now. They're going up. They're pressing at the line of scrimmage. They're knocking everybody off of routes, and they are daring the Chiefs receivers to beat them. And unless your name is Travis Kelsey, you're not routinely beating that press. Josh Gordon's a big body. He can beat press. I'm looking for him on third downs specifically, much the same way that Sammy Watkins was able to win on third downs. So I, I, I think that that's really where his true usage will be. I think that's where he can really work. I think that's the part that I'm excited about with Josh Gordon in the mix here. I think you look at like a reliability and trust factor too. It's, you know, Patrick Mahomes knows the track record, the ability of a Josh Gordon. And if, you know, I think there's, there's some level of tr- like when he's on the field, there's a lot of trust there to give him opportunities to be willing to throw him in some of those situations to be willing to challenge tight windows, you know, into the middle of the field because Josh Gordon has shown that ability to, to make some of these tough plays. That's valuable in and of itself, too. It's just someone else that Patrick Mahomes feels like he can trust. I don't think Josh Gordon's just going to all of a sudden become a target monster. His role probably manifests itself pretty similarly to a Sammy Watkins, and that's massive because we were all talking about how they're going to replace Sammy Watkins, and no one has really shown or stepped up that you know to to really handle that role in any you know strong capacity. So. That's what I, this reminds, so Dijon too, uh, this reminds me of the, the move Tampa made a year ago with Antonio Brown, a low risk move. That's one of the things that kind of popped in my head initially as well. This is, you know, maybe the Chiefs saw, okay, look what happened to, to Tampa when they went and grabbed Antonio Brown and took a risk on, on Antonio Brown. Now they're taking a risk on Josh Gordon. And Josh Gordon fits in perfectly. I love this idea. I'm glad the Chiefs actually pulled the trigger on it because Maddie made, you made the point, the track record, you know, with Josh Gordon is the Chiefs really have been pretty quiet as far as involvement trying to get him in the past. Yeah, they hadn't, as of the last time Josh Gordon was rolling around as a free agent or on the trade block, it didn't, we never heard rumors of the Chiefs being interested. And part of that is probably because they did bring in Sammy Watkins. They did pay him. So there was a little bit of going on there. You'd have overlapping skill sets. And at the time, I think Josh Gordon was just trying to earn his way back to show he still had it. He came out, showed he had it. It's just the Chiefs hadn't shown interest, so I didn't really anticipate this move. It makes a ton of sense for all the reasons we've talked about, just being a different type of receiver, providing what Sammy Watkins did that I think a lot of people kind of forget about because of the lack of availability, because the final playoff run really was kind of poor. Like It wasn't a fun watch during Sammy Watkins last year in the playoffs, but if you go back to the, the first year he was here, the Super Bowl run, Sammy Watkins is making big play after big play in important games especially when you get Bill Belichick's defense paying attention to Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey 100%, or you get the 49ers defense paying attention to those guys. He's making plays. That's what you need. Like Craig said, one, two, three plays a game, three first downs, all of them on third down. That's a huge win because that's something right now you have no consistency you're getting out of anybody else in this roster, let alone someone that can work over the middle of the field or beat press coverage. Move makes a lot of sense in that regard. Before we get off Josh Gordon, though, I'm putting you guys on the spot. Which game does he record his first catch for the Kansas City Chiefs in? Oh, I'll go with this first because I tweeted something out. The Chiefs are slow with some of these guys to get them off of the practice squad. So I I think a lot of people are hoping, hey, maybe he'll be ready for the Bills next week. I, I'm not I, – I mean, I'd love it. Don't get me wrong. I, I want him to be on the field that quickly because it means he grasps the playbook and his conditioning is great but I could see that maybe being three or four weeks before he gets on the field. So I'm going to say, 
you know, four weeks from now. That that's when he gets his first catch. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a little more aggressive timeline. Give me give me Washington. Give me the give me Washington uh three games from now, October 17th. That's when we see Josh Gordon on this team getting some opportunities and elevation from the practice squad. That's what I'm going with. Uh, to be different, I'm going to go, I think actually this is right where Craig was, but I had the Titans game kind of marked as just when I thought that we're going to see him get enough snaps to make an impact. That's right there at the end of October. Seems like a safe bet for him to, if he's going to be ready to play, in shape to play, that seems to be about the earliest. Gives you a few. All right. All right. Well, let's, let's move on to the game. Let's, let's do this thing. Finally. Do we have to? <laughs> let's talk about the task at hand here. <sighs> okay. So next week, the Chiefs play the. <laughs> <laughs> we have to do this again. Uh, we have to do this again, unfortunately. The Chiefs lost for the second straight week. They lost at home. They lost in division. They lost to the Chargers. They lost to Justin Herbert after Patrick Mahomes was on the golf course saying he'll see it when he believes it. Well, he saw it. He saw it up close, and he got outplayed by Justin Herbert at home in week three. What a rough game that was. And you know what? Let's go ahead and do this. Let's start with the quarterback. There's plenty of issues to address, but why not? You know what? We praise Patrick LeVon Mahomes effusively. He deserves every bit of it. And he really, you know, I'm not going to say he's, he's without criticism, but we can at least address the elephant in the room, which is, Patrick Mahomes had one of the worst games of his career this year, or uh, in this in his career, just just on Sunday. Yeah, he did. Well, he, he looked. Oh. Uh, he 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 threw an awful interception. He, he frankly, let, let's be real here. He's forcing the ball to Travis Kelsey, the, one of the only guys that he trusts to get open. With Tyreek Hill clearly injured, I think we need to make that abundantly clear here. Tyreek Hill was not one hundred percent, and that allowed the Chargers to bracket Travis Kelsey a little bit more. They were taking him away. Now, Patrick Mahomes misread that play. Horribly throws a terrible interception with the game on the line. Is not able to recover from that. Throws another pass, which we can talk about this. A no-look pass that maybe he didn't need to throw no-look. And could have led Marcus... Yeah, maybe could have led Marcus Kemp a little bit more. Now, Kemp still should have hauled that in. I'm not excusing the man for not bringing that in. Kent, Kent yes. Kent say, shouldn't have been in the game. I'll listen. I, no. He was wide open. A, he was wide open. He's a special teams player. That's why special teams <laughs> players stay on special teams. Actually, that's why special teams only players don't stay on the roster. Listen Sorry. to this man. They just like to use him when they go big. They use him as a blocker they when they go big. He's out there actually a lot more often than uh, I think people want to know. I believe I believe they had a play where they were in 13 personnel and it was three tight ends, Marcus Kemp and a running back. I was yeah. looking at that earlier. It was the touchdown anyway. to Jody Fortson. Was it was? They they yes, did it, it more than once. They did it more than once. Oh. They did it earlier. Oh, they in did. The game too yeah, in the I'm telling team. you, he yeah. plays yeah. more snaps than anybody to admit. He plays yeah. more snaps than people think he plays. Yeah. All right, Maddie. I know we talked yeah. a little bit about this on the post game show, but the pocket navigation for Patrick Mahomes was some of the worst we've seen from him. Well, I think I want to go back to just Patrick Mahomes in general. I think it was funny. I agree with you guys that this was not his best game. According to pro football focus, this was his highest graded game of the season. He barely edged 
doubt in this case, they thought he played a pretty good game. I think he was getting a lot of credit for them for not the cleanest of pockets being under a lot, according to them. Like Joey Bosa, I think, ended up with 10 pressures, so on and so forth. So they credit him with a good game. So I think you can see some of that. I do think some of the just the throws, just the actual throws that Patrick Mahomes making versus what he was dealing with out of his receivers was relatively good. I think in the second half, he killed it until that final bad interception. He had settled in. He started to look like he was dealing a little bit more, feeling a lot more comfortable. Joey Bosa kind of taking over the game for much of that second half. He looked more comfortable. It was that first half. Just It's burned in my memory that it looked like he was just kind of panicking, sprinting out of a pocket that was relatively blocked for him. I'm not saying it was perfect. I'm not saying it was the most clean pocket you're ever going to see, but it wasn't bad. Plenty of times where he ran into pressure. The Chargers came at him with a looping stunt from a defensive tackle, rolled us a B-gap to the outside C, and Mahomes ran right into it for no reason. He wasn't under any pressure. And part of it, the Chargers' coverage, the Brandon Staley defensive plan was phenomenal. They stuck mm-hmm. to their principles not allowing anything deep, showing a lot of too high safeties, but they kept rolling down into two press man coverage on the outside. I think they had a lot of cover one with a robber over the middle of the field. They challenged the Chiefs receivers to win, I think the Chiefs were dialing up a bunch of zone beaters, as you should when you're playing a play team, and you just got left with guys being covered and being bullied all around the field. And I think that, that made Patrick skittish in the pocket. There wasn't a ton of rhyme or reason to how I was navigating it entirely. And I do agree with you, Maddie, that some of it was coverage related, but some of his tendency to just bounce to the right was just prevalent. Didn't matter if they were on either hash he wanted to roll right it didn't really matter if there was open opportunities there's escape routes to his left he still was forcing himself to roll right at times it was rough and some of that navigation was that skittishness is not something we're accustomed to um and i do give brandon staley a ton of credit because i do think the coverage was very very good they had a lot of answers i think that goes back to some of the secondary weapons need to start making some plays and part of the reason Josh Gordon, I don't think the Josh Gordon thing just happened five seconds ago. I mean, I'm sure this conversation has been going on for a little bit more than, you know, oh, well, couldn't beat man coverage against the Chargers. Time to call Josh Gordon. But I think, you know, the, the, his presence makes a lot of sense because I think this team has a pretty good idea what's going on. And they need some more consistency from their pass catchers. They need a little bit, um, you know, they a little, a little bit more playmaking ability, a little bit more ceiling to that. And, you know, I think you know that we can talk about that a little bit more if you want to, Matt. Or maybe yeah. we've maybe we've spent a little bit too much time on there, Craig. But um, you know, I it feels like you know this is this is not a this is not an uncommon theme, and this was a theme in 2019 against the Indianapolis Colts, one of the games we had Chiefs to visit for. I believe it was the second game we had Chiefs to visit for. Is that the Colts went out and challenged the Chiefs with a lot of I believe it was two man. They played a lot of two man. They played man across the board. They challenged the Chiefs. They challenged the secondary pass catchers. Granted, I think they were hurt and Patrick Mahomes was a little bit more hurt, but it didn't matter. They couldn't go out. They couldn't make plays. No, they couldn't. I, and that's that's exactly why you see a move like this, even discussed. I mean, it it's not just in reaction to this week. It's in reaction to a year full of guys not getting open last year. A, a start to this year of guys that they're seeing not making that progression and not getting open. You just need guys to get open for this offense. And for Patrick Mahomes, he's got the time back there in the pocket now, but he does get a little skittish at times, especially when he has to wait and wait for guys to get open. You need guys that can line up and get open in Kansas City. And you know what else needs to get open in Kansas City? 
our good pals at Macadoodles. That's right. We need a Macadoodles liquor store in Kansas City yesterday. Quicker than Josh Gordon is getting here, we need a Macadoodles right this very minute. It's got the best selection. It's got the best customer service. It's got the best prices. And it is built in with a fan base. There are people in this city that desperately want a McAdoodles. They want to go to a McAdoodles, pick up their tailgate supplies, pick up their Saturday tailgate supplies too. They want a multi-day alcohol shopping trip every single week and they want to go to macadoodles to do it so if you're a franchisee you got to get in there email roger at info at macadoodles.com and get one to kansas city right now and get it open like hopefully josh gordon's going to get open in the future beautiful okay so we talked a little bit about the receivers uh we talked a little bit about patrick mahomes is it time to talk about the defense i feel like like it is time to talk a little bit here about the defense unless maddie you I, let's quickly no, you hit to- i just want to quit the offensive line i just want to quickly hit the offensive line Go this it. is the first week that we finally saw this new offensive line struggle so much so that it impacted the chiefs game plan they did have to do extra to account for joey Bo, who essentially exclusively lined up over lucas Nyang. Yes, he beat Trey Smith for a sack, but I think this was the week we saw the offensive line actively struggle, especially out there on the right tackle spot. You would expect Joey Bosa's caliber, but this was just kind of the first time it showed up to kind of bite the Chiefs that they flipped over the entire offense. Nothing to worry about yet, but it's something to you know put a mark next to and keep in mind going forward because the Chiefs are running backs into pass protect more, which messed up some of their main beating coverages or or route concept, there was issues with the way Lucas Nang was getting beat. It really hurt the Chiefs. That second down play before the last interception Holmes, Bosa beat Lucas Nang inside, forced that bad throw to Travis Kelsey, and the Chiefs don't want to get beat on the outside. They don't want their tackles losing the inside shoulder. So the play before the interception wasn't great. That led to Patrick Mahomes leaving a pocket relatively early. Just It's something to keep an eye on going forward. I do Definitely. want to say, as long as we're on the offensive line, they did a good job in the run game this week, though. I, I that was very good. Clyde Edwards-Helaire's best, his third best game of his career, even with the fumble. If we throw that in there, I I felt like he was he had plenty of holes to hit and plenty of running lanes to hit. Chiefs ran for over six yards a carry, so that's good. You want to see that? That's a positive. We haven't seen that really yet. And I don't think Patrick Mahomes did much of anything to help him. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it looks a little bit worse than it did because I think some of that does fall on Mahomes. Although I do agree with a lot of what you just said, Maddie. Okay, let's talk about the defense now. Then I think it's time, Craig. I don't even know where to start. I don't know where you want to start. I'm going to give sure. you the opportunity to start wherever you want. But before we do that, if you are starting to look for an engagement ring and you don't call Hal at Ruback Fine Jewelry, you are making a mistake that you will regret. I'm telling you. They have a phenomenal user experience. And it all starts with how. I mean, how is the user experience? Because he's going to go, you're going to set an appointment with him. You're going to spend some time with him. And he's going to walk you through as little or as much of the ring creation process, as much of the ring buying process as you want. And that's such a valuable thing to have. There's a lot of transparency in how he does things. And it starts at the moment that you meet him, he's going to give you a comfortable experience. He's not going to push you to do anything that you're not comfortable doing. He's going to stay within your price range. He's going to deliver you a beautiful custom ring for your significant other. So make sure you go 
and talk to Hal. Go to ruback.co and set an appointment with Hal for a stress-free ring buying process. I promise you, you will not regret it. I've got friends who have vouched for this process because I've talked to some people. I've been I've been evangelizing for them for the last year. And anybody <laughs> that's been looking for a ring, I've been telling them to go talk. And now I'm getting friends telling me, hey, dude, you were right. I know I was right. How and Ruback Fine Jewelry, wonderful experience. Make sure you go check them out. Ruback.co, set an appointment. Okay, Craig, where are we starting on defense? Oh, let's start with the good. Um, let's start with, let's start a little bit with the early, uh, game run defense. Uh, Anthony Hitchens looked decisive getting downhill. Anthony Hitchens had several plays where he read the play quickly. He was able to split blockers, knife into the backfield, make tackles for loss. Same with Legereus Sneed sitting in the box, able to get up there, be able to be able to shoot that interior gap and make tackles for loss. We saw the cornerbacks being aggressive, getting downhill, both Rashad Fenton and DeAndre Baker getting downhill well on bubble screens, which are, you know, in wide runs essentially. So you saw a lot of good downhill defending by the Chiefs defense. That's something that we have not seen out of them the first two weeks of the season. Yes, the final two drives, they fell apart and everything fell apart on those final two drives. So it wasn't just that, but it was good to see glimpses of it. It was good to see for once them come out be able to hit a team, force them into some of these and long situations on second and third down, be able to get Steve Spagnuolo more in his comfort zone. We saw that early. The Chiefs were able to come up with some stops. Those turnovers killed them, you know, get, put them in some bad field position. But the defense really came out strong. So from a positive standpoint, that is one thing that we can take away here. Patty, you're muted. <laughs> yes, I was in fact muted. Uh, so I think the front seven played really good. Uh, you, you got Nick Bolton made some first run. Drawn Reed showed up, I think, for the first time this season and made a couple plays. Mike Dana played his best game of the you know season. We talked about Anthony Hitchens, Legereus Sneed. I think a lot of guys were playing aggressively up front early downs, and that allowed the Chiefs to get into a couple third and longs. And conveniently, they had their best third down defensive game here so that's not a surprise and it was nice to see some of these guys just step up and finally you know play a little bit of a good maybe they can start building some momentum here yeah and it's kind of weird because like i don't think i mean there's i think there's bright spots for a lot of different guys even guys that had rough games even guys that were getting picked on a little bit i mean deandre baker i believe was active on a run play legere c making some plays in the run like the secondary did some good things some good things in the run, made some good plays on the football. But I think what happened ultimately is just the consistency and the matchups were horrific outside for this team. Awful. Because, I mean, Mike Williams was an absolute problem for the entirety of the game. And it didn't really matter who lined up across from him. They didn't have anybody. It's kind of funny. We talk about Charvarius Ward. Charvarius Ward might have matched up a little bit more with Mike Williams, a bigger physical guy to maybe help mitigate a little bit of that because Mike Hughes, wasn't big enough to handle it. DeAndre Baker struggled. I mean, they were they were picking apart some of these guys that were, you know, kind of getting tested and getting more opportunities. And that wound up being a big factor in this game because, you know, when when Justin Herbert needed a play, he was going and finding Mike Williams a lot. Yeah, he was. And uh, you know, Mike Williams is a giant dude. Keenan Allen's not small either. Like <laughs> Keenan Allen's a, a 6'3 dude as well. They, this 
entire Chargers receiving core is just a bad matchup for some of the smaller, more aggressive Chiefs cornerbacks. And Chiefs cornerbacks wanted to play physical with these guys. And I felt like they did. Like, I, I wasn't worried about the physicality when they were going up against these guys. But a lot of these 50-50 balls, it's hard to win in those situations because of the reach, because of the wingspan, things like that. And Steve Spagnuolo, unfortunately, had to put him on an island too often. Because once again, we are back to the situation where the Chiefs four-man pass rush is struggling. Struggled for most of 2020. We are three games in, and we are seeing, you know, unless it's Chris Jones, it, we're seeing a mostly minimal impact or guys that are winning very late in the rep. Even Mike Dana's sack was very late in the rep. Chris Jones got a couple pressures this week, but it still wasn't to the effect where Justin Herbert was bothered. And when you get into those situations, Steve Spagnolo, knowing that he's got to protect his cornerbacks, can't allow Justin Herbert to just sit back there and pick apart his defense. And I'm, I don't know why I'm targeting just the cornerbacks here. It's also the safeties. It's also the <laughs> linebackers. It, it's everybody. So you, you just can't let Justin Herbert sit back there and pick them apart. And if you're going to do that, you got to speed up his timer. So you got to bring the blitz because your four-man rush isn't getting home. That means your cornerbacks are going to be left more on an island and you're going to force Justin Herbert to throw more low percentage throws to the boundary. But when it is against those bigger receivers, they're not as low percentage as they are for some other teams. So he's able to throw it up, have those guys go get it. And they were able to. So it's a cascading thing. The four man rush, not getting home then relates all the way back to the corners being put on an island because of the style of defense that Steve Spagnuolo has to play to force these things out. Otherwise, you know, he's sitting in an eight-man shell and all of these guys that we don't like in coverage, you know, and, and I say we, not just as the three of us, but everybody who watches Chiefs games don't like in coverage are going to get picked on. So you got to get the ball out fast. You got to do that by blitzing. And now we have a cornerback problem again. Well, and the biggest issue with the defensive line not being able to get pressure right now, Chris Jones had probably his best game. He was the most consistent that he'd been all season, but it wasn't to the level that it forced the Chargers to change. I talked about how Joey Bosa kind of forced the Chiefs to change what they were doing. Chris Jones wasn't quite at that level, but not at that level. He needs some help or the Chiefs are going to be in a lot of trouble in their coverage. The interesting thing about Chris Jones is I believe he had his lowest snap count percentage of the entire season. He only played 61% of the snaps this week. So I think maybe a little bit of that. With the wrist. Yeah, I was just yeah. the injury. I wonder if, you know, the injury put him in a limited rep situation. And I don't know. Maybe they're onto something here. You know, the run defense was a little bit better across the board. Chris Jones had his best game. Maybe they don't lean on him as much in some of these situations. I know that sucks because he's one of the highest paid defensive players on this team. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know. You might you might least think about that. If, 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 if he operates a little bit on a different pitch count, maybe you get more out of him from his past rush production. And maybe he's not providing enough in the run game to really justify it anyway. Because, I mean, he was I think he was one of the high outside of like the secondary or outside of the corners. One of these games, he was the highest snap count player. I think week one, it's just I mean, I don't know. It's it's worth at least monitoring there. Um, I mean, yeah. Go. I I I, I want to touch on the Chargers going quick here because it killed the Chiefs. I, yeah. Like it killed them in countless positions. Steve Spagnolo went out of his way to say something that I was saying during the game that I was cursing at my TV the entire time. The Chargers weren't 
letting the Chiefs sub. And Brent, you know, Brendan Staley is taking advantage of the fact that the refs aren't slowing things up. So the Chiefs had to be on top of things a little bit quicker. So the Chargers were quick subbing. The Chiefs were trying to sub guys in. You get guys on the field here. And then Anthony Hitchens and Tyron Matthew are trying to direct traffic, get everybody on the same page. And while that's happening, Justin Herbert is out here snapping the ball. Now, that's bad because we've seen teams take advantage of that with the Chiefs when they were allowed to substitute and they were allowed to have a little bit of pre-snap communication. Now, all of a sudden, when you're having to go even quicker because the thing's not being abided by the same way that you would expect, now you've got guys that don't know where they are. They don't know where they're supposed to go. And when you've got attrition at cornerback, Charvarius Ward out, Rashad Fenton out, now you've got DeAndre Baker, Mike Hughes on the outside. You're trying to communicate stuff to the secondary, you know, the safeties, the linebackers. I'm not trying to excuse some of the poor play by the Chiefs defenders here, but they were up against it in those scenarios because nobody knew where the play was. You saw Legereus Need blitz on an Austin Eckler touchdown. And it looked like Anthony Hitchens was backside trying to get a push call, trying to get a rotation set up. Steve Spagnuolo talked about it. They did not get the rotation communicated properly. Now, all of a sudden, Austin Eckler is wide open, walking in for a touchdown because they went quick. That's, that is tough to try and defend. I think you're going to see teams go tempo on the Chiefs a lot, having seen some of this. If refs aren't paying attention to it and there's more of these quick subs that have to go, they got to figure something out. They got to shorten some play calls. They got to have something in their pocket that those guys know to fall back on in those scenarios because as it stood, every single one of those was massive plays for the Chargers. You just can't have that if you're the Chiefs on defense. I think one of the big issues is the Chiefs red zone defense has been so bad. They know they have to mix it up when they get in the red zone. <laughs> I think Steve Smith yeah. talked about it. They yeah. had a, a relatively complex play call coming in during one of these quick snaps because they needed to do something. They can't just line up and play in the red zone. Whatever's going on right now with their red zone defense, they're falling. Their go-to is not working. I think they tried to get a little too complex. The Chargers caught them trying to do mm -hmm. twice, and it resulted in easy touchdowns both times. Teams are going to do that over and over again if they can't catch the base red zone defense here. That's true. One of the things that I thought was interesting and it was very it was some, somewhat predictable is some of these got to have it third down situations in the deep red where they were really trying to make it that there wasn't a decision for Brandon Staley to make on fourth downs. They were trying to create negative plays. They were trying to keep it at a third and goal from the six or a fourth mm -hmm. and goal from the six, fourth and goal from the seven. They were hell bent on not letting they're either going to give up a touchdown or they were going to they were going to create a negative play slash keep them where they are. I think that kind of speaks to a little bit of the desperation that Steve Spagnuolo probably feels right now down there in the deep red situational football, how the teams are playing the chief, which chiefs, which is another thing. I mean, I, there's been a lot of talk. I think Nick Wright talked a little bit uh, about, you know, this today. It's like some teams are forcing themselves to be more uh, analytically friendly when it comes to the decision-making processes that they're making against the chiefs, because they're so terrified of them that Chiefs are literally altering. And we've talked about this for the last week in, or last year in a different way. The Chiefs alter game plans of organizations walking in to try to play the Chiefs. And the Chiefs got to take some of this into consideration. And so I think you saw a little bit of that. It's Brandon Staley's willingness to go and do some of these fourth downs and be a little bit more aggressive, trying to turn three, trying to turn 
drives into touchdowns instead of selling for field goals. Now the Chiefs are having to take some of that into consideration, especially with as horrendous of a defense as they have had down there to this point. I find that all very interesting. Um, it'll Two be things real quick. Oh. Two things. Chargers played more heavy personnel this week, it, largely in response to the fact that the Chiefs were terrible against it, against the Browns and the Ravens, played a lot more heavy personnel than they have to this year. So that was a little bit of a tendency breaker. And the second thing, you are always going to have teams going for fourth down now. I know that Brendan Staley is going to get credit for that, and he should. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take away credit from it. But we're going to see even conservative coaches going forward on fourth down against this Chiefs defense, especially in the deep red, like Kent said there. I don't think that we're talking about, a, well, he looked at the numbers and that was good. I think they're just looking at it as, listen, the way to beat this team is to score a ton of points and hope they make mistakes. And you got to go for it. You got to finish every drive and touchdown. So that's all that it is right now. Maddie, final thoughts? I think that makes I was just going to say, I think that that made a lot of sense that their Chargers are going to do that. Teams have been doing it in the past couple to the Chiefs. I mean, the Ravens, if anything, should get credit before the Chargers do. So yes. a couple teams have been doing this exact same concept. I do think that is something that teams are realizing they need to beat or need to beat. I do have more just overall thoughts. I'm a little worried that the Chiefs mystique is going to wear off soon. Because this is back to where they've had a chance to go win a game, and they just simply haven't. They've given that game away. You want to play you. You want to force teams into pressing. You want to force teams into trying their hardest until they make a mistake. Capitalize when you're given chances. There's a lot of times now where they have not come through. And once you lose that mystique, make you a worse team, but it's going to make teams play more confidently against you. Teams are going to feel more confident against you, and that really can go a long ways. I think that necessitates Andy putting the foot on the gas a little bit differently <laughs> in some of these situations too, because sitting on the football the way he has, some of the game management situations that he's been in the last couple of weeks probably aren't going to fly anymore because they got to put the foot on the gas a little bit. They can't afford to sit on the football, play it safe, turn around, hand the football, leave the ball out of Patrick LeVon Mahomes' hands and lose a football game. That can't happen anymore. So some things have to change there internally in the building. Some games management management has to happen. Things are going to have to change. Some decisions are going to have to be made a little bit differently. Let's see if they can make them against the Eagles. We'll be previewing that game later the week. Later in the week. Thank you so much for spending. Oh no, some no, time no! Before we get today. out of here, the Chiefs are winless since we skipped this segment last week. Winless. <laughs> we have to give out a game ball, Kent. <laughs> uh, you got to give out a game ball. I have to give out a helmet sticker, and Greg has to give out a beer. Uh, let's give a game ball to, let's give a game ball to, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, despite the fumble. I think there was a lot of positive things in his running of the football. I think there was some positive things catching the football. Good bounce back. Hold on to a football all week. Like Tucker said, we are going to give a helmet sticker to Jody Fortson for catching catch he went up in the air he elevated over the middle of the field caught the back of the football i think it was a nice play chiefs plan to use him going forward i think his role is going to end up bigger than noah gray throughout the season so i like that move uh let's give uh oh let's let's give mine to travis kelsey one, one of the few guys that it doesn't matter if he's bracketed it doesn't matter what you do you can ship him all game long he is just getting better and i know that we say that time and time again but as defenses 
adapt and try and take him away more and more and more. He just continues to put up numbers. He continues to be reliable, you know, for Patrick Mahomes. So give mine to Travis Kelsey. All right. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of the KC Laboratory. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check out everything going on on the KC Sports Network channel. We'll catch you later.